All right, welcome everybody to another episode of our Future Systems Podcast Live Q and A show. <gasps> Whew, I love saying that. That's fun. That's fun. <laughs> this week uh, we have one of our technology consultants, Jared Lewis. Uh, in fact, I think if I remember correctly, you are our first technology consultant to be on Was the I? show many months ago. I did not know that. Yeah, early on in in all of this, and so welcome back. Thank you for joining Thank us. You. Yeah. It's great to be back. I had a great, uh, great time. Lots of people reached out with questions, so it was a blast. Oh, good, good. That's I, I'm not, I hope I hope for the same after this as well. Um, and yeah, I guess I guess we'll just kind of jump right into it. Um, how how are things going? On, on the, I, I hesitate. I always hesitate to to say like the sales guys because you guys don't really. It's not really a traditional sort of salesy sort of thing. That's why. That's why you're more you're of a very consultant. Much. And so um, things been busy. Um, yeah. Lots of and not just busy in the sense of orders. There's lots going on in the world of technology in the world of parts. So it's like on top of things constantly changing and adapting, you know, we're just as, as busy as can be. So uh, mm-hmm. we've adapted to that. We've added a couple of new team uh, members uh, here at Puget, uh, Braden and Chrissy, who have both joined the technology consulting staff. So we're excited. Both of them are, are killing it. And uh, a couple of great resources to help just balance that load. So we're having yeah. a great time, but uh, we're keeping up. Cool. So I guess you in busy, busy, meaning like just like new, new kind of potential customers and things coming in. Yeah, there's a lot of, you know, the combination. One thing we had touched on before with the um, with the pandemic, a lot of people working from home, order new systems. Mm-hmm. Um, people are saying, hey, I need my, my home system to do what the engineering system at work does. Um, it's changed the dynamic of how people work. We're, sure. um, a lot of game developers that have have their development staff scattered you know, all over the country. So it's changed how we process orders, how we ship. Um, and, and also on top of that, just people trying to locate. Uh, I shadowed once, oh man, a couple of years ago, I shadowed um, another, a colleague of ours, um, Jeff. And yeah, it seems, it seems very, every day is a little different. Yeah. Which is yeah. super cool. I, and that's I what I enjoy about it. You know, you never know what the next call what challenge that's going to bring. So, right. yeah. Speaking of, of work from home stuff, um, are, do you, have you noticed that people are trying to accomplish, like, I know our main focus is kind of these really high end uh, workstations and mm-hmm. people are trying to replicate that at home or are they more trying to like remote in and do work that sort of way? I would say the bulk of it is replicate at home. Um, a lot of what I hear is, Hey, I need a render box or I need a, you know, I hear from engineers or actually even sometimes it's been, been the, uh, the supervisor, the director of the project, you know, I need to get these to my, my engineers at home because the systems that they have, you know, the personal systems don't match what we have here at work. So that's really, I'd say the bulk of it. We do have a few that are, are remote access, um, yeah. not as common. I see. I see. I know recently too, um, and I, I have to I pause for a moment because we're not got to be careful not to name names. But one of our bigger um, customers, um, we found out that they were we were shipping them the machines, they were imaging them, and then shipping them again to their develop developers. And so we we kind of developed a new in internal way of helping them kind of streamline that process by. Um, well, I'll let you kind of describe what, what it is we did to kind of help them with that. Well, they, they have a, um, you know, if you, if you picture it, 
you have a development staff scattered across multiple states. People are working from home. Um, so they have a, a third step. They get the system from us. They would unbox it. They would do their system setup, their development toolkits and things like that. Then ship it again. You know, these are mm-hmm. not small. <laughs> these are these systems can be anywhere from 50 to 100 pounds plus, depending on what you put in them. Our packaging is we protect them well. It's, it's extensive. So we... Um, Make sure that it, you know, all that packaging protects it, but that adds weight. So that extra step not only adds time, it adds a lot of money. And what we develop now is the ability for our customers to have a remote imaging um, solution where they can set up their development to all the stuff that they need to do before the system ships. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and then that can eliminate that that intermediary step and it saves them time in the process and gets the system in the hand of the developer a lot quicker. Yeah, that's cool. I, th- I like how I just, I feel that was really a neat sort of project that we, um, I guess took on as it kind of almost added like an extra service to kind of help them out, to get them where they needed to be a lot easier. That was really cool. And it it speeds up the process too, again, because everybody's working remote, you know, instead of having to go through that, that, that third step of, of, you know, going to the third party first. So trying to adapt each. And and I think the thing, you know, it's changing. Sometimes we could probably do this podcast in three hours and I might have different answers on some of this stuff. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Changes that quickly. Right. That actually brings me to another good good question. Um, have you noticed much of a shift late? Because things seem to be kind of getting better. Yeah. Um, I, I've seen a lot of articles myself about um, you know returning back to the office sort of thing, or a lot more of the hybrid sort of um, workflows. Um, has that changed what customers are asking for? I think not in the the core system. You know, we test the application. And there can be some nuances to like, if you need to access that remotely or, or, you know, form factor, things like that. But Mm -hmm. that I think is more based on what you're using it for, you know, and the rest of it will kind of fall outside of that. Okay. Yeah. All right. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, I guess, well, I guess to move on to a different one, um, kind of talking about like the, the developer, uh, we've norm, we wouldn't have changed such uh, had such a dramatic change in a process just for somebody who's only buying one or two, um, machines from us. The, this customer is on a, um, they, they get a lot of from us very often. And so I'm curious how those conversations go when we are approached by a larger client like that, um, who says, Hey, I'm, I need 25, I'm spooling up a new, whatever office I need 25 machines. Um, and then I might need another 25 in six months or a year. Uh, how do those, how, how do you handle those sorts of conversations? Where does that start? It's well, there's a lot. Um, and it's the job of the, it's the job of the technology called, you're kind of coordinating as much as you are advising the customer. Um, Mm -hmm. because you have to interact with inventory, you know, our purchaser to find out, okay, what can we get and when can we get it? And that affects 
our production management, where we have to look at when do we have the space to work on this many machines and where. So then we start to schedule when could we do the build, coordinating that with when we can get the parts and things like that. Right. So there's some some bigger pictures to it, finding out um, you know time customers timeline when they need them, when we can get the parts, how quickly we can finish the build and testing process, and we want to make sure to set those expectations up front because. Depending on where you call right now, lead times can be, you can get a wide range of answers. And we're, we're definitely aware of that. So it's uh, we want to make sure that we're upfront with, uh, with people about what to expect and how long it'll take. And coordinating all that is really a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Does, um, I just this was kind of a personal question. Do you find that there's a lot or do they have like specific asks when it comes to hardware? Or is it just more like, oh, I'm, you know, we're a game developer. So like it has to do Unreal and that's it? I think it's, um, I would say it's less specific. Um, mm-hmm. We see, I see more of the specific requests when we're, de- we're dealing with um, scientific work, anything that's related to that type of, you know, Ooh. artificial intelligence. And they tend to be, I know exactly what I need. Give me this hardware. Um, with with the game development side and other stuff, it can be a mix because you have folks that are using programs like Unreal that can be doing, you know, just assets and mm-hmm. um not as complex. We have other people doing, you know, light baking and advanced lighting design and things that are much more complex and in terms of the hardware and how we would build for it. So in general, you have to kind of analyze that. You also analyze, um, not just timeline, but sometimes it's budget. People say, hey, we use the system this way, but we're al- allocating about X per system. And that can be a, a conversation that people, I think, sometimes assume when they give you a budget number that you're going to swing right for the top of that. Um, sure. But what it really helps us do, because we don't work on commission, we're not here to push you to one thing or the other. My job is to give you the best information so you can make the decision. If you push me a little bit and say, hey, what would you really say I should do? I'll, of course, tell you. Um so it sometimes that can help me know right away if they say hey, I'm doing this kind of work, my budget is X. We can go great. Here's the best you can do for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but setting those, I one of my favorite uh, lessons I ever learned in life. You know, not a lot stuck, but uh, one was always <laughs> expectations are premeditated resentments. Oh, and I really sure. believe that's true. You know, if, yeah. you, if you set it up front and you know we'll tell customers what's your build to ship time. Well, it's about. X. And we tell them that's not a guarantee. It's based on the workflow. We're going to make sure we get it right. We're going to do as quick as we can. But, you know, so those type of expectations set up front. But that's really part of navigating that process with the bigger customers. Mm -hmm. Oh, actually, we have a a good question from from Twitch, actually. Johnny B-Cat. B-Cat? B-Cat. Do you have requests on restrictions on the systems so the systems do not encounter viruses, um, like kind of keeping the system secure? Various. Um, it depends on the entity, but we have requests for, um, you know, encryption. We have requests for you can do government level stuff where they'll ask you to physically remove the Wi-Fi and Bluetooth module from the motherboard. So you're not just disabling it. This thing can't even do it if you wanted to. Yeah. Um you'll get requests for systems with no ability to do Wi-Fi, that type of stuff, or no, you know, this port or that port, or it has to have a TPM module. Um, as far as like on the software level, not really something that we, we get into, but definitely mm-hmm. get requests on everything from removable hard drives, you name it. And we address them where we can. Some things like uh, secured cases are not our wheelhouse, but oh, um, sure. it's always different for every customer. You never know what the need's <laughs> going to be. So it changes a lot. Yeah. 
That was that was interesting. The first time when I was in production, the first time we had a request to physically remove, or that I encountered a request to physically remove the Wi-Fi. Really like, at first, I'm like, "This is this is a little strange." Like, you can you just don't use it, right? Like, what's the problem here? And then, yeah, you, you kind of dig into the details of what the customer, who the customer yep. is, and what they're using it for, and and then it's like, ah, of course, yes, that makes sense. It, it, and then we probably have some, you know, anybody who's been in the military and the government. That's a lot of times if you have like an SCIF, a secure environment, mm-hmm. um, you know, when you go into CIA headquarters, those computers can't just talk outside <laughs> of the Internet. They have to be restricted for um, and, and I'm not saying that, you know, we're building CIA computers, but just that point. Yeah, you can have all different levels of security from simple. I'm just being home safe to this can't talk to anything outside this building. And so we try to adapt anything we can. And uh, and uh, yeah, see, Johnny knows yeah. this stuff. So mm-hmm. it's a uh, it's a challenge. But we take it as it comes. Each each one's unique. Yeah, yeah. Um, that actually, I was curious too. Um, has since the last we spoke, has there been anything that kind of stands out as a interesting um, or exciting like challenge or something that really kind of you had to put your thinking cap on for? I think the biggest challenge in terms of components and hardware right now is. This, the logistical issues of getting parts has affected what we can do, you know, well, if we can't get the part and we can't um, offer the component or, or build the system to a level we think it should be built at, we, we've had to look at some things like really small form factor or um, certain components that we just had to streamline the way that we build. I think the biggest challenge is what's available. How do we, I think adapting is probably been the name of the game um, more than anything you, you might have an availability of something and the next week it might go away so um probably the biggest challenge there yeah i think the second one um has been we're seeing at least i think on the on the video side more and more demand for um you know hey i've got this this 6k 7k 8k footage i need it to be able to do this you know frames per second with this effects and noise reduction and and so we're testing that and and the ryzen processors that we're using have gotten um great results i see it i've been hearing a ton of that just more and more demand um and the other thing too that i i think is really cool is the Game development is absolutely on fire right now. Like the oh, yeah. amount of developers I'm talking to in a given day is just like, I can't even tell you. It's so cool. So there's a ton going on and it makes you kind of get excited for what's coming, um, you know, for the gaming community. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And not just gaming, though, because uh, to touch on Unreal, um gaming sort of has or at least the tools that have been traditionally used for gaming are, are now being kind of leveraged for video um film film yes. and, and tv and wow that's super cool uh that was the other thing i was going to say is the biggest request more than anything else since the mandalorian started filming yep. led wall technology at least a call a day, I think oh, wow. I've done for probably the last, you know, if not every other day. It is huge request for that. I actually have two. That's my next two calls, and we're done here. Is about LED wall. So that's probably the one thing I'd say that's that's blown up. Wow. Yeah, that's interesting to hear because that's that's no joke. I mean, an, an LED wall is 
like those vel- those sort of volumes are pricey. Like yeah. you're not just you're not just getting a bunch of Best Buy monitors and putting them on the wall somewhere. Like this is a serious like investment. Like that's cool to hear. Um, I wonder, can we talk about in a general sense, like what kind of customers? Is this like a university sort of thing? Is this more like um, film and TV production? Um, the bulk like, of film and TV. Um, okay. Advertising um, production has been, I want to say, probably 50% of that. A few that um, have called to say, this is what we do. We produce commercials for New York fashion type stuff. Uh, yeah. That's probably been 30, 40% of it. But really, that's the bulk of it has been TV. And I think not to get too into the weeds here, what what a lot of people understand is versus a green screen with this LED wall, you used to have to compensate for lighting with green screen. It kind of changes the way that you film everything. So the LED, it's really fascinating. There's plenty of videos people can watch and really cutting edge, see where it's going, especially with this is where you see. I am just fascinated by Unreal, and I'm on, like, right. step one of learning about, you know, I have a million steps of learning about it. So it's, <laughs> but when you see the way people are using this program, really, really cool. I'm, I'm, I'm constantly blown away the, by just how people will take a, a, a tool that is, you know, you built it for this particular solution, and then they're like, hey, you know what? What can we, can we tweak it and maybe do this sort of thing with it? And it's, it's endlessly fascinating it's so cool um in fact i just recently saw some commercials for um i think it's i think it's kind of a spin-off of the masked singer they're they're doing like a full-on 3d um avatar for the for these people to like sing sing and dance i saw this yes i know what you're talking about the head rig with the face map thing (laughs) and the whole the whole kit and wow like a little weird like it's not i don't it's not content for me but the, <laughs> the technology behind it is what's very cool and very exciting and i feel like i mean even some of the the clients we're working with now um like uh, gabriella that uh, i know i know we can talk about her um they're doing something similar they're she's working on a full 3d animated um movie with a gentleman in london like oh wow that is so cool that's so cool yeah Um, i actually um i had a a customer just the other day entire business is 3d scans of you know just take assets that are around me here in the room the painting the lamp and they're digitizing those they're turning them into game assets and that's his entire bit and he's so busy he can't even see straight you know and it's uh it's it's just really cool because it it puts a tool in in everybody's hand and you put the time in to learn it and it's just the results speak for themselves you know people are coming up with all these like creative ways to use it so that that means uh so that's like a photogrammetry kind of application then right if if they're yeah okay because that that actually came up in a meeting earlier for me today um we've been seeing kind of an uptick in that uh sort of ask i guess for those sorts yes. of missions and whatnot so and and for everything um police using it you know quick drone mapping of a crash scene now we have a 3d permanent record and get everything out of the way i have a gentleman who recreates authentic period um firearms for lego and gi joe and other people who create models a a range of different but he literally is scanning in vintage whatever it might be a certain sword or something reproducing it with a 3d printer or as a game and then sells it one guy's doing the same with little miniature battleships and it's just so creative you know so so creative and oh that's that's what's so fun is every call you're like what's it what's it going to be next you know (laughs) 
<laughs> that's what uh, I enjoy the most about it. Wow, that is really cool. Um, so Diddy, Diddy, I think kind of asked a similar question here on Twitch. He says, "Has, has anything caught you by surprise recently?" Um, you know, I there hasn't. I, the only reason I want to say no, I know this sounds like such a brush off, but there are surprises every day now to the point that I'm, I'm almost unable to be, I'm exhausted. I'm unshockable. You know, it's like, this is unavailable or that totally happened or, you know, um, I, I would say, cause we, I think when we say, we say surprise, we inherently think in the shocked or bad way. So sure. One of the things I really think is cool is how adaptable people have been. Mm. We all have our moments, you know, we've seen the, I freaked out at the grocery store video or whatever, but sure. People have called and said, I got to have this. And I go, can't do it. We can't get the part. Or we, this isn't going to be possible until that happens. Or, you know, and people have been so willing to, if you're direct and honest and, and, you know, what you don't ever want to do if you see sometimes is take an order and go, Hey, it's on back order. We'll have your part. And see, you know, so oh, if we're just sure. up front and tell people, here's what we can do. Here's what we can't, or here's where to go get it. And I think that's probably been the thing I've been most surprised in an impressed and good way is how adaptable um, customers are, whatever it is, you know, shipping oh. delays, all the things that have been caused by, by this time period of the last year and a half. Um, yeah. Really neat, really neat to see. That's, that is cool. Actually, that brings up a good question that I wanted to touch on is, is how do you, how you handle um, when you have to say no? Like, uh, I know we, I know we get a lot of calls about laptops and yes. we don't do that anymore. And so how say, okay, how, how does that conversation go for you? I, I'm a big believer that you, if people know you have their best interest at heart and you're, you're being respectful of, of what you're delivering the information and why my, I, I'm a, everybody is driven by different things. I'm a big, mm -hmm. tell me why, because I grew up in a do it or else type house. So I'm like, give, me, give me the, I need to have a legit reason. Um, start with why. And I've found that when you have to say no, if you tell them why, and it's in their best interest, mm -hmm. people are receptive to that. Um, sometimes I'll just tell them, I'll say, I, I have to tell you no, cause I don't want to disappoint you. And I know this will disappoint you. You need X and I can only deliver Y. So mm -hmm. one of the biggest things that we're, we're huge on, if you, people who know Puget is we want the best for the customer. It's so that, you know, it's just, that is universal in everything we do here. And that includes if we're not the best fit, you know, telling, um, telling the customer that. So for me, it's, it's, again, it goes back to setting expectations and it sounds so simple, but sometimes people are afraid to deliver rotten news. Yeah. Let me give you an example. I had a customer call yesterday and say, Hey, What's the ETA on the system? I mean, we paid in June and I went and looked it up and they never paid. And you have to go back and go, hey, you know, here's what happened. Here's what I can do to kind of, you know, help make it better. And if you still want to move forward, here's what, what would need to work. And and they were really receptive to that. They understood it was, it was their fault. You do that without, you know, throwing their face. So it's great because you, as long as you're dedicated to making it work and the customer understands that, they're usually willing to, to work with you. Oh, cool. Right on. Um, yeah, that's, I like that. I, this is just more reason well, I think to love, we've, love working here. <laughs> we've experienced it. You know, I want to get food last night. Mm-hmm. And as I was in line at the first restaurant, they closed. 
came out oh, so man. out of blah blah blah. We have clothes, and I went to the next restaurant. They had a line out the door forty minutes, and wow. it was that thing of demand and expectations. But you know, when you've been able to do like we had a point where we had a big line here because we were having so many orders and able to tell folks, here's what to expect during the build process. Here's what you're going to see, and more importantly hitting those marks that's mm-hmm. where people you know you build trust and camaraderie you know and uh i think that's something that we've been able to do uh through this process yeah i like that um you mentioned the kind of the the build process or the production process um and we've kind of danced around the idea of, of lead times and stuff i f- i think and i don't i'm a little outside of this being in the periphery of it but i think we've gotten our lead times down quite a bit. I don't want to hold you to anything in specific, but it's, it's gotten better, right? It has. Um, and huge, huge shout out to our production team for, for doing that. Their commitment to catching up the queue. We have added a number of production technicians. We've expanded our ability to do quality control. Um, we have added, added, people in every department that I can think of. So that was a big part of that. Also, another big part of it has just been looking at process efficiency. Is there a way we can do this better? Is this the best methodology for this? We've been outsourcing that. Can we bring it in house? You know, whatever it was to, to make the process better. Um, And the net impact of that, and I don't know what customers might be able to comment here, what they've seen at different other, you know, outlets, but we've had, I think at one point quoting as long as eight weeks. And when now we're currently quoting, I believe two to three, I know my coworkers will let me know if I miss that. But when we say that, um, what we're saying is that's an estimation based on our current workflow and our, our build process. And there is, um, I think I sent you a link, Houston, you might be able mm-hmm. to, it, it's a, I believe the article's like a year old. This is written by a production manager, but this is a great look at our production process step-by-step. And I think this is something that I wish customers saw more of, because I don't think you see it on the outside unless you place an order and follow the build process. And customers might know that, when we when you place an order with us during the build process each step of the way each person who works on the system actually posts updates to your account so the builders the testers inventory you name it they're going to send pictures links here's what i'm doing here's how how it worked and um when you look at that process you'll see the point of it is that it's done right we're we're definitely going to be as quick as we can but the point is through our testing process to get it correct and as you know, we purpose build based on the application, and then we test and verify that the system performs at that level before we ship it. Mm-hmm. If a part fails, we're going to replace that part and rerun all the testing. The complete system has to meet that standard. We'll do that as quickly as we can, but we're not going to sacrifice the, the build standard on that. Um, so the nice part is I know lead times are crazy. People have been so great as that's all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, to answer the obvious question, supply, I would say, is snug. Don't think of things as being completely unavailable. Um, mm-hmm. We're not having orders delayed for parts, but we'll tell you, you know, hey, we have this many coming now. Here's the next batch or we're going to be waiting on this part and we'll be up front. We mark it on the website. This is in shortage. Talk to your consultant. They'll tell you what that means. And um, it's it's mitigated 99 percent of those problems. Nothing awesome. has held us up really long, especially on the graphics card side, which is everybody's <laughs> question. Yeah, that's always the big one. And Absolutely. I think I think it's really good to highlight that 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 process because so often um, 
we hear because we're we're a pre-built PC company, and you you always oh well I can I can buy I can do that for half the price, and it's it's not always and I and I feel like I harp on this a lot being in in the social media side of things is you're not just buying a box of parts it 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 is all of that process yes it's it's all of that testing it's when a part breaks i can just go right over to inventory and get a brand new one you have to wait six weeks or more if you just spent two thousand dollars on a black market graphics card that doesn't work uh, you know <laughs> let's hope that and doesn't you may happen, have different but... different you know levels or experience of support that you have to deal with to deal with that return or you know that type of thing too yeah and that's uh I'm not afraid to I'm just a huge fan of our production. Our our production folks are so um uh, I had a uh someone who taught me once in life that you know if you have a rule people do just enough to not break the rule but if you have a standard people will rise to beat it. Oh. And the standard is do the right thing for the customer all the time and it's funny cuz even if I wanted to slip something through hey could you just build it that way they won't allow it because mm-hmm. that's the way we do things so it's it's nice in the sense that you know you have that you can trust in the, in the process but the customer is the one that benefits in the end yeah yeah does that come up often where a, where a customer might um have a request that kind of is in conflict with our standard and um frequently oh yeah, yeah. frequently and and one of the um Biggest things you have to communicate is we do things a certain way because of testing and what we believe is the best. I'm not saying that the way you want it done is wrong or it's just not what we do. Mm -hmm. Um, And that could be anything from um, funky raid setups or uh, I want a unique type of cooling or I want that specific case. And um, and we'll say, hey, here's here's why we don't why we don't do that or here's why we use the part that we part we use we try to accommodate it as much as we can part Mm -hmm. of that streamlining during this um pandemic is we had to really hone in what most of our customers need and we can really be best at for them um and that has had to we've had to eliminate some things but none of us want to say no because that's what we're here to help the customer sometimes i have to help you by saying don't don't put that part you have in your system because it's going to be a bad experience you know and and again if you have the best interest at heart i think that'll come through nice yeah, uh, Deddy mentions this. Um, if you've followed the Linus Linus Tech Tips videos, where they bought the complete systems from various uh, system integrators and then went through their whole customer service uh, from those, have you have you seen any of those? Not, and I don't want to speak for Linus just because he has a pretty wide library. I haven't seen it from him. I know mm-hmm. I've seen some of these. Um, and forgive me, I don't have it off the top of my head. We've had so many wonderful creators that we've partnered with, and we've had some videos where they've talked about you know the service experience. So yeah, um, he has a series. Actually, I think he's done it twice now. A series where um, he's purchased, and we weren't included because we don't ship to Canada, and Linus is out of yes. Canada, um, where he's purchased from various competitors of Puget, and well, not just that they're not just our competitors, but in the whole in the whole pre-built PC space um, and then kind of blind and then had um, had them like call up with problems and stuff to kind of give a behind the scenes look at how they handle that stuff. It, it's It's been pretty shocking. I, I highly recommend you look into it. Big fan of it. I had, yeah. a, I had a job in high school in a restaurant and our training was they took us to another restaurant. 
had us buy lunch and had us make mistakes just to see how they handled it. So that's a great, you know, analogy. And Linus has so many great videos, but I love that he did. I have to look that. There's another great one we did. I believe it was with SLR Lounge where he mm-hmm. did a comparison at a price point. So without, oh, yeah. without it's like, here's what an $8,000 Puget and an $8,000 Apple. And mm-hmm. then ran the, the bag. I thought it was such a great system because so many people approach how they purchase a system that way. Here's oh, yeah. my budget. You know, here's, mm-hmm. here's what I can realistically do. So mm-hmm. um, those comparisons are great because it gives you an idea of what to expect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially on the Mac versus PC side, we deal with so many creative uh, applications and Apple dominated that space for yes. a good 15, 20 years. Like that was, everybody had the old, not just the cheese grater, but you go back further and into those, the Mac pros and some of those candy coated looking ones. And a lot of creative houses, that's all they have. Mm-hmm. And so now moving since it seems, uh, you know, Apple kind of abandoned that side of things to focus on other product. Um, that kind of leads me to a good question. Has that come up um, since some folk have had to wait? Is, the, is there a lot of question about, oh, should I move to the M1 Mac Pros? Or, or I know the M2 is coming, the next ARM-based stuff. Yes. Has, that been a, has that been an issue? I haven't, I've not had but one or two conversations in that, in that direction. Um, I think a fair amount of it, I would say has been based on budget. Sure. Um, those are not cheap systems. Um, some of it has been based on, um, the, the, as you said, people get very used to an ecosystem Mm -hmm. and, you know, I had a, I did a, a system for a, a visual effects. He does visual effects for a, a, a one of the superhero movie directors. I'll just say that. And I, I expected this, you know, from him, all this, uh, he's going to need all this 8K, you know, this, because it's Hollywood. You know, it's going to type in. And, and he kind of said, oh, no, no, no. We just use these old systems, you know, and they were all 10 year old Macs. And he said, that's what this studio uses because that's what they know. And it works. And they don't want to venture outside that. So what he does with me is he buys systems, he ports it over, does the work twice as fast, puts it back in their ecosphere. It's kind of funny, but, you know, the point is it's um, people get very tied into the way that they do things. So mm-hmm. some of that trade off comes more from the focus of, Will what I do on this platform look the same? Will it work the same as the foot? You know, how does all that translate? And that to me is the bulk of it. But it's usually focused around um, budget. Going the other way, what I find is if they are a dual setup shop, they kind of use one system for one specific, whether it's color or um, or this or that, and another system for another specific function. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, but I think there's there's a use for both. You know, there really is. Sure. Sure. Man, that's funny to hear that. And I bet he's still saving time in transferring. <laughs> we're doing all the work on on the on the Windows PC and then transferring it over to the Mac side. Huge of to, to turn it in. Yeah. Because and yeah, because like, I mean, it's just probably so much faster working on the, the PC that the transfer part just doesn't make make him hardly any difference. Yeah. And I think also you have to you have to consider this. The conversation you always have with people is uh what, what's your end product? What, what, um, yeah. what deliverable are people even watching it in a resolution? You know, sometimes people get very caught up in things without yeah. thinking about what's the final product even going to be seen as. Yeah, man. There's so many I, pieces of that puzzle that you have to take into I, consideration. Yeah. I, I'm, a, I'm afraid I might be beating a dead horse here, but that, that I imagine is a, is a topic that comes up often is like, um, 
I I want to produce. I want to work in 8K. Like, oh, I'm 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 buying all these cameras and stuff. I'm going to need this this system. And then it and then it turns out, oh, I'm just going to be uploading it to YouTube. Um, is it difficult to kind of throw cold water on on a on somebody like that to maybe kind of rein them in and say, hey, you probably don't have to spend ten grand on a computer if if really all you're doing is is a YouTube show or something. Yeah, I, I don't think it's difficult. Again, when it comes to setting expectations, mm-hmm. here's what hardware can do right now. And by the time you're going to be at a point where everyone's watching YouTube in 4K, or this system you're buying now is not going to be relevant. You'll be on to something else. But you also have to set expectations. Hardware really isn't there yet for a lot of that stuff. Sure. Um, and try to get one of the biggest it's kind of like exercise equipment. You know, people buy that that treadmill and it becomes a laundry hanger in their in their bedroom. Yeah. People always, well, in five years, I'm going to start doing blah, blah, blah. Well, you're probably buying a system for that when you get there. This won't be the system you're doing it. So if you're working in 1080 now, let's worry about 8K in five years. Sure. Let's build you a system that can do 1080, 4K, and maybe push to a little five, you know, with some extra memory. Or build you, what I really love to do, Houston, is build a system that has the expandability. Let's set you up for 4K. You got enough to add memory and another hard drive or this and that where you're doing 6K in a couple of years. So you've got a little growth built into the system. Mm-hmm. I think that's a much better approach. Um, yeah. Because you can swing for the fences and it'll do it to a degree, but things change constantly. So yeah. I would get, le- I always tell people, get less into the future and look more like six months. What's realistic? How soon are you going to be doing that? And mm-hmm. and when you approach it that way, I think you get a better build. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, man, Diddy, Diddy is knocking it out here. He's, he asks, um, whoops, where'd my mouse go? Um, have Jared, um, have you seen, there was a tweet and so I know I know the tweet he's talking about. Have you seen the the tweet where an old customer answered uh, he was still on a fourth gen Intel? And in relation, what's the biggest upgrade that you've seen in terms of hardware? So a little context. I think this was in relation to Windows 11. Um, there was there was a, a previous customer of ours still rocking like a 4790 system, wow. um, which that is pretty old. I want to say 10 years. Okay, I was just going to I'm trying to do the math on the time period because I have one that's around that. Um, I had a customer call. We're doing the console. And I I wish I had a good answer on processor because I was so stunned by – we were talking about hard drive, and I eventually realized he had a SCSI um, platter. And I I finally asked – I was like, that's your your primary is a – platter and he explained the connection i realized he was talking about an ide cable the old way they used to connect and i'm going back at least 15 years in my mind going and i finally said what are you what are you and the version of the software he was running was from 2009 and at that point the system was already like five years old so this system was from 2005 i wish i could remember the cpu but the hard drive was old enough that it just stunned me and that was the biggest um those are fun because you, uh, <laughs> wow. I've had some customers, I, not in the system. We have some customers that use some uh, external devices that mm-hmm. can use really old serial connections. Sure. And if you buy, like one of them was a, someone who does custom sign and embroidery. And this oh, machine's like yeah. 30 years old and it weighs like two tons. Like you're not going to move that or sell it 
until you absolutely have no other choice. And so she's, you know, trying, we need to get this working. So those are the fun ones because you, there's this kind of like, all right, how do we make the past, you know, come to life and string along a few more years. <laughs> and I totally understand. I play all my vintage games and I'm always, every time windows updates, I'm trying to make them work in the new version and um, fun challenge, but we can usually do it. Yeah. Wow. Actually, I, I think I shared um, the article you wrote about that particular customer. Um, the yes. Screen printing. I think I shared that earlier today. So, um, yeah, uh, it was a 46, 46.7. Wow. Yeah. I did not see that tweet. What's interesting is that was a uh, process around the arc real quick here. Yeah. Yeah, four core. So I had the mobile version of this uh, processor. That was my last uh, CPU. Oh, wow. <laughs> For your personal machine? Uh, when I was traveling, before I did this, I was an announcer. I had to travel full time. So that was my, oh. uh, I had a laptop. And then my current system I built uh, last spring was 9900K and a 3070. So hoping to upgrade here. I'm really excited about the new AMD processor. Yeah, <laughs> so. For sure. That's, I want, has there, has, do you find our customers, um, are, do they care much about like brand loyalty in that sense? Like, um, or, or do they just say, I just need it to work. I don't care. I'd say it's a mix about, yeah. about half are really dedicated. Um, and I wouldn't say they're averse. Some maybe have had a bad experience and you know, that could be a one in a million. You, you buy something and you happen to get the one that the manufacturing the machine screwed up on it it'll it can mark how you feel about that brand so sure. um yeah it, it's that's really a it can be a tricky one it really can um yeah. what, what i try to focus people on is we we have options on either platform that can do what you need to do so if you have a preference you know sometimes there's software related reasons that will um oh, sure. you know yeah if you're using matlab matlab is compiled against the intel uh, mkl so we're going to try to really emphasize you know being on that platform but mm. sometimes it is a um it's a nice discussion but having had both myself sometimes it's easier to approach and say hey you know i've done both or here's the results we've had here's the failure rates whatever it might be um yeah but it's a mix i'd say it's about half customers really have a preference so we try to just help oh. them stay with what they like cool that's cool yeah i'm glad to hear that because i know for me personally i'm a, a big a, um i grab onto the data right and um i'm I'm like, you, why? Why would you do this when clearly this is the better option? And so this is why I'm not in your position. Because <laughs> I, I feel, I feel, I mean, maybe, but I just, I, I see it a lot, you know, in the comments on some of our articles and things like the, there's, there's folk out there who, I don't know, mistrust the mm -hmm. testing or they think that, um, you know, we're just saying this stuff because we have to, or because we're paid to or whatnot. And, uh, I get a little frustrated because this is data. Like we approach, yeah. we approach our testing, we approach our <laughs> testing in a very scientific manner. Like we tell you all the parts that we use to get these results. And we, we even give the benchmark software, the same stuff yes. that we use in, in the off the, the labs that's a hundred feet away, the same stuff. And it's just frustrating sometimes for me. <laughs> I, those can be tough to, to overcome. I've had people flat out tell me, I sent them a link. Here's our testing results. And they say, you don't know what you're talking about. All right. Sometimes you have to disagree to disagree. Um, sure. But it is, uh, um, 
The other thing that's important is understanding how to interpret that data. Sure. Okay. Because what do you look at when you look at a processor? I bet anybody who responded in the comments, first thing mm -hmm. they're going to say, oh, it's 3.6 gigahertz of speed, right? What's the cache? Do you even know what the cache does, the different layers of cache, how that affects what a processor runs? How many PCI lanes? Do you know the difference between max turbo and all core turbo? And that's and actually that's an interesting point because a lot of those those kind of um, I guess like sub metrics or or other sorts of um, details didn't used to be as important yes. as as it is now. Um, PCI lanes is is a big one. If you were rocking three four graphics cards mm -hmm. and and you don't have a CPU that can handle it or along with a bunch of SSDs or something like that, those sorts of questions are a lot more important than they yeah. used to be um, in the past. And so, yeah, and that's that, the kind of stuff that um, you said, that'd be the equivalent of knowing going to buy a car and knowing the valve timing on the, on the engine. There are people that know that stuff. I don't, I'm not good at it. Um, <laughs> but even just understanding is something as simple. Like if you put the current, like a, the core i7 against the the 5900 intel and amd on mm -hmm. paper that intel is a rocket it should you look at it on paper you're like no comparison it's like mm -hmm. 3.5 or 4.5 you know i'm sorry 5.3 i'm all over the place but the point is there's a huge difference in speed and then you go look at our test results and that ryzen is at the top every single time right and people go i don't get it and that's when you get into the conversation because do you understand, you know, this chip is more efficient. It does more per clock cycle. Here's how much more cash it has where it can store up those instructions and, um, or little things like PCI lanes, you know, a lot PCI 3.0 versus 4.0, you know, there's twice oh, yeah. the bandwidth. How does that affect graphics card performance and interpreting all that, especially in the context of what application are you using? Cause is mm -hmm. the is it even relevant to the work that you're doing? Um, sure. It's a total picture process. And it's one of those things where I tell folks that it really is 90% of the process with us is here. Once we get it to production, me and the customer have perfected what they need and production will do their thing, which is great. But deciding, I always tell folks, it's like picking the engine in your car and you nail that and you get everything else and all the little features that you want. Um, and if you do that up front, you'll be able to, to you know, any of the issues that you can imagine, you'll be able to mitigate. Yeah, that's cool. I wonder, uh, this one's going to be a little kind of, um, well, I don't know, it's just opinion piece, I suppose. Looking forward, let's say like the next year or so, or just in the future in general, what are you excited for? Oh, boy. Um, there's a lot, you know, obviously we had a great, last year with these new graphics cards. Um, I'm excited that we're seeing new models, which mm -hmm. means more cards getting into more people's hands, more things being done. That's starting to alleviate. I know it's not perfect, but it's better. Um, I'm really, there's a lot of cool stuff coming on the, on the CPU side. Um, I'm really excited for, you know, what's coming on both from Intel and AMD, these um, Zen three, anything with Zen three cores on it is really cool. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, that was my next comment. It was the uh, the new Intel CPU. Um, I think our folks also saw we just had new Xeon Isolate came out. So it's there's a lot going on. If you didn't, um, if you blink, you'll miss it. It's like constantly changing. I think we're gonna still see some supply stuff going on. Just so folks are aware that, that there's a there's a shortage of raw materials right now. The logistics, mm -hmm. the supply chain, it's not perfect. We mitigated as best we could, but I think that's gonna tighten. And then you also have holiday season, which increases that. Oh, yeah. um, 
But what I'm really excited about is we're just when you have this level of, you know, one upsman, you know, Intel responds and AMD responds and then the graphics card and there's this constant and we benefit because we get this cool technology that we get to do this stuff with. So you want you really want to ask me, that's what I'm excited about more than anything. Um, it's just like, oh, my gosh, as these companies continue to innovate and then you see what people are doing with it. And just every day it makes every day in the office really, really cool. <laughs> cool. I'm per- personally, I'm very excited for the Intel graphics card that's coming to. Yes. What? Boy, that's really, yeah. That is going to be interesting. I cannot wait to see. You know, I know we'll, um, Matt and William and our labs crew will be all over. They'll have some great, great stuff, you know, when it does get testing oh, and everything yeah. else. So. Uh, yeah. I, I have fingers crossed that it is at least, at least kind of. I hope it at least is a competitor. I hope it's not just like some eh, whatever. It's going to be a budget thing, or nobody's really going to care. I hope it actually does kind of step in and and at least compete to the, like that mid range. I hope. Yeah. I really do too because I think it's a. You see, what people are doing with graphics acceleration. I just think it's ripe for competition and innovation. Mm-hmm. There's so much going on, and, and uh, it'll be really cool to see what what comes with that. That's probably one of the products I'm most excited for. Yeah, that'll be really neat. I'm excited. Uh, Gritsby55 on the Twitch asks, uh, how much has Ryzen improved in the stability of drivers? So this might be touching on a support question. Uh, Intel platforms have been known to have very stable drivers that make it reliable. Yeah, and that's something that um, – and, and I you know, I've never – I'm never shy about addressing this stuff head on because people will take things that they experienced 10 or 15 years ago and go, that company is da da da, you know, and there's a time period. Yeah. Where there was some, there were some, some issues with some Intel stuff. We're not experiencing that. And also understand again, this is when Houston talked about data folks, everything through testing that includes bios. We don't, we not, we're not necessarily on the most current BIOS. We're going to be on the most stable, best performing BIOS that we've tested. Even if that includes, sometimes we'll turn to the manufacturer and, and get some customization to it if we need to. Mm-hmm. Um, so big time. I would say I can't speak for our production department, but not having any of those issues. Um, great, great stability on the platform. Great performance, um, especially when you're doing high performance computing work, rendering, whatever it is, mm-hmm. folks are just reporting no no problems. So yeah. it's been a huge improvement. And I, I appreciate you asking that because I think sometimes people get, you know, that assumption and, and you forget that this competition is what makes those companies innovate and get better at that stuff. So stability has been great on the AMD platform. It continues to be on the, on the Intel side as well. So mm-hmm. and um, I'm actually, I'm personally also glad that you asked because um, I have a note to talk to our support department about that specific, um, not specifically drivers, but um, I want to look into failure rates or problems that have, that have uh, between Intel and AMD since AMD has kind of overtaken, um, geez, what, I don't know, 60, well over 50% of our sales now are, are AMD. Um, and so I was, I was curious myself so that because I'm the social media person, I wanted to maybe get that out in front of people to see, um, cause yes, Intel does have that reputation of being very stable, stable and, and kind of rock solid, especially like on the Xeon side of things, mm-hmm. especially compared to maybe earlier Threadripper and Threadripper pro stuff. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm glad you asked that and I will have a more, um, firm answer on a general sense of the, the failure rates between those two, uh, soon. So thank you for asking. 
team. But I'm 100% confident I'm starting my next personal build, and it is going to be 5900 or 5950 Ryzen platform. Totally confident um, in the platform. It's been great. Yeah, yeah. especially the Ryzen side. I, I just built a 5800X myself. Mm-hmm. Um, the Yeah, the CPU side of things is is rock solid the zen 3 stuff is amazing they oh man i don't want to harp on it i think people know but those those (laughs) cores are really are something special they really are and and the testing you know speaks for itself so um it's just just so cool that i said i gotta have one so i'm uh, I'm gonna jump ship and get over there well now that i hope now that they've caught up with with intel i hope i hope they put some time and effort into their graphics card side of things well and and so just so I'm sure a lot of customers know this, or folks watching know this, what, what is so great about that processor is when you're looking at an application, we're looking at, is it single-threaded? Is it multi-threaded? How does it interact with the CPU? You know, this is a, a sales guy's way of saying it, so forgive me the folks that can say it better than I can. Single-threaded sends one, basically one instruction and gets one answer at a time. It's an oversimplification. That happens in a fraction of a second. Single-threaded apps rely on speed. Multi-threaded apps send multiple instructions. They get multiple things back and assemble that into a data output. Multi-threaded apps rely on cores. Traditionally, as cores go up, speed goes down. And the goal is to find a sweet spot. Used to be if you took a single-threaded app and put it on a multi-threaded chip, you would have not the greatest experience. Sometimes you'd have some slowdown. Um, what is so great about the Ryzen product that I love, they're very, very efficient cores. So in the Ryzen line, we have 10, 12, and 16 cores, but the efficiency and speed of those cores gives you the ability, this great sweet spot of, I have parallelization so I can do multi-threaded work. I have excellent core speed, which if anybody works in design and animation, that's, it's all about core speed. And these chips give us the ability to do both better than any product has to this point. So sorry for the spiel. I'm not, you know, you you just advocate for what you know. And the result has been when you spoke earlier about, about the, you know, the customer talking about time, that's my favorite thing is absolute favorite thing in this job as corny as it sounds. Time is the most valuable thing we have. And when a customer calls and says, my renders used to take four hours or I'm processing with Topaz and it used to be 45 minutes and now it's under a minute. My render is 45 set, you know, it's like, hey, I just gave this person three hours of their workflow back. Their day. Yeah, that's the stuff that is cool. And so if there's any one thing I'm most excited about right now, it's efficiency. We're, we're taking this this technology and we've, we've put so much power and voltage to them. And now we're going, hey, how can we make it run better with less? You know, and so it's, that's what's so cool about this process. And I think you're just going to see more of that in the coming months. Because now that they're competing with each other, trying to do it better, faster, smaller, more efficient. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's going to be some cool stuff coming next time. I love, I love hearing those stories, too. Because to me, the, that highlights the the impact of of what we do the most um i I say this all the time we don't we don't there's a there's a line about mcdonald's you think about mcdonald's is not a burger company mcdonald's doesn't sell burgers mcdonald's is a real estate company they own the most valuable real estate anywhere on the planet everywhere on the planet that is their that is their business is Mm -hmm. buying the best land possible we are not really a computer company we sell time we sell time back to 
the, a customer, whether that's saving time on their renders, saving time on the research of parts, saving time on support, saving time, any, wherever it is in the process, it, we're, we're selling you that time back to yes. you. And that, when you talked earlier about, we talked about cost and price and that stuff, people say that to you. Well, I had a guy the other day, so what is your build fee? Well, we don't have a build fee. You know, we don't do that. But there's a lot of things customers don't see that our production team does. And that's a great comment Didi just made. He said, also saving time on headache. Do you know how many times a week I get a call from someone who says, I've built my own systems for 20 years. I need to focus on content creation. I don't have time to deal with this when it breaks down. And those things that our team does, you know, memory testing, 17, 18 different benchmarks per system, custom cut laser. Most people don't even know we do that. You know, it's like, I'm like, tell them. People say, why do you cost what we cost? All the research, the post build testing, thermal imaging your system, checking water, everything about your system we can check, we're checking because that helps us support it long-term. But what, you, what I hope people see is that if we're willing to invest that much in it, Hopefully that speaks to the value that we provide. We say, hey, we're going to stand behind this thing. We're putting our life in it before we ship it. And here's all the proof. We tested it and sent it all to you at the same time. It's just it's just a different approach how you build the system. But you can look at price. You can look at value. I can go buy those parts and build it myself. But I don't know what the, the outcome might be good. It might be bad, you know, depending on my, my build skill. So um, yeah. I think that to me is the inherent value. Someone who's willing to do the work and say, proofs in the pudding here it is and i'll put my name on it you know um, that's why i love working here you know <laughs> we, we literally do every you go back into the the status updates and stuff we literally do put our name everybody who touches your order has their name on it like you can yes. you, you know that you know um well it's not kelly anymore because he's not in inventory anymore but kelly's the one who pulled the parts or jason's the one who put it together and you know um or, or whoever, because sometimes it's two or three different assembly folk, um, depending on, you know, things happen. Um, I This person installed the operating system. This person did yes. quality control. This person, and literally, you can say that's the person. And, and, I, and, and I'll tell you what, it, I love huge that. shout out to our quality control team, uh, Ruben, AJ. If there is a, a group of people who are like the gatekeepers of Puget's spirit, it's QC. It will not get past them if it does not meet our standard. And I'll never forget, every everyone here starts by working in production and learning how to build. And I'll never forget the first time I put a system and I was so proud. I know they're going to do it. And I got it back and he said, this screw had a quarter turn more tightening up. And I want, if that's the metric that we judge ourselves by, this is this is a good experience. So it's, uh, um, I love that. So a huge shout out to our production folks and, uh, yeah. Um, and I appreciate that. Yeah, we do. One folks don't know that we do do custom cut acrylic bracing on CPU and GPU and all of our systems. It locks it in position for shipping, keeps it in position for life. Um, huge, huge benefit. And everyone who's had one of these 3000 series cards knows how big and heavy they are. Oh, so, man. Um, yeah. Those are things you learn from years of building and, and learning lessons, you know. And that's and that's again, that's something that maybe uh, somebody who's built PCs on their own doesn't consider, because especially with these heavy, heavy cards, over time, that I mean, you see it in pictures. Oftentimes, people show their their personal builds and stuff. The the GPU sag. Mm-hmm. Well, over time, that that's probably going to damage the PCI slot. 
And, and the first time I saw, if, if anyone's seen the 3090, any of you are watching, especially the Founders Edition 30, it's like a lead brick. I mean, it's just first time I saw it, I thought that poor PCI slot is just probably hanging on for dear life. You know, trying not to break. But and uh, and and you'll see motherboards with like the 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 armor, the PCI slot armor, but it's, yes. it's really just might as well be tin foil on the edge of the, <laughs> of the edge of this plastic that's not holding anything in. In fact, um, I don't think I've shared them, but um, we've had a few not to go so well in shipping a big quad this was a couple years back i think now a big quad gpu system and and some it didn't survive and the whole thing is just all four of them still connected together but they're all like that oh my goodness (laughs) you know the one benefit i tell customers is these are not said the box is a good three foot by and and 40 so they're not fortunately they're not easier for shipping carriers to throw around but you know they could still be knocked over and things come dislodged so we've learned how to mitigate 99 percent. but the good thing is if something does happen you're covered we'll take care of it so it's it's shocking sometimes when because oh yeah it's just well and what is more disappointing you're so geared up I have sometimes when customers are waiting for it, they'll email every day, like, is it going to be here? I'm so excited. And nothing worse than when that shows up in the out-of-boxes is not good. So we want to mitigate that as quickly as can to make sure yeah. that we will stand behind it, you know? Yeah. It is cool to see sometimes when the like the shipping box looks a little sketchy, like, oh, man, there's like a footprint or like it's kind of smushed in this corner. Or through the front, yeah. But, but then you get to the inside and – it's perfect and that and on that link uh we had you post earlier Mm -hmm. they'll see that too you can see our our uh shipping setup i believe is on there if not you can also find it on our webpage. but sort of a double hold system kind of cool keeps them from from tearing it apart (laughs) very smart very cool and it just comes back around to that that whole philosophy of like it's it's about taking care of the customer Mm -hmm. making sure they can do their thing the best way possible Yep. And there are definitely challenges to that with, with parts and things going forward. Um, I think uh, if people watch and haven't seen it, um, my email is first name, Jared at Puget Systems. If you have some of those questions, please feel free to reach out. Always glad to to ask. We have people who would check in and say, is part available? I'll call you in two weeks and it can help time when you're buying a system. So, uh, you know, we appreciate all the feedback from our customers and uh, feel free to reach out if you have any questions for me. I'm always glad to help with that stuff. Awesome. I think that is the perfect way to wrap it up. We are just a perfect little bit over an hour. So you heard it. If you have any questions, do feel free to reach out to Jared. Um, he's happy to help out with uh, whatever he can. So um, thank you, Jared, for taking your time out of the day. Yeah, to, to thanks for having me. You know, you probably got to run off and get some some emails or phone calls uh, taken care of. So we'll, you know, we'll wrap it up real fast. Thank you as well to the audience for joining us today. We do this every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific. Uh, we have internal experts and, and and employees like Jared and our labs team and, and uh, Ben, uh, our support manager, on every once in a while as well to kind of give you guys a peek behind the curtain of how we do our thing and to kind of help provide some value to you as uh, either customers or fans of ours. So um, be sure to mark your calendars Wednesdays. 1 p.m. Pacific. And um, yeah, we'll see y'all next time. Bye.